Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. What's your update this week? This week, I am finding small, affordable moments of self-care. <gasps> Yay. Go me. What are they? So, that's a great question. I've only done one so far. Oh, okay. <laughs> Work in progress. Work in progress. But it did make me see that they do exist and they don't need to be like a full day spa package to unwind a bit. I think that's a great lesson. Yeah. And I, it's a hard, I think, I don't know. We go to the that foot spa place sometimes. And like that is, a, I think, a good example of this. I haven't been to that in a long time. But I like to do that right now. Yeah, that would be really nice. But... So the semester is coming to an end, which means, like, I've got papers, I've got tests, and just, like, projects. Like, just everything is, like, now. (laughs) It's all happening right now. And I had a paper due, and I knew I was, like, speeding toward that brick wall, like, that infamous brick wall that just lives in front of my face now, I think. And I was just so unmotivated. I had no interest in doing anything. And then I was like, wait, maybe I can do something small. And for me, this was affordable. But I went for a spontaneous manicure. And I never get manicures. I honestly think the last time I got a manicure was someone's wedding. Like, I'm almost positive. And not <laughs> not recently. Like, I usually just quick and dirty do it myself. But it was just nice to go somewhere, have it done the right way, in the way that will last more than two seconds. Mm-hmm. And it was... Like, it was affordable. It was, like, 30 bucks. Just to have someone do something for you. Exactly. Like, I got a little hand massage. I'm going to sit here and not think about anything. I had a nice water. The space I was at, it was at Ritual Salon. And so it was, like, very nice and cozy in there. I felt like I could hang out if I wanted to hang out. And it was just, it was just the perfect thing to do a little, like, treat yourself moment. But also, like, you needed, you needed someone to do something for you since it felt like, everything was at a 10 and I was responsible for it all yeah (laughs) so it was good so it was a good reminder that I'm like okay this is the thing you can firstly afford to do secondly can find time for as long as it's like again intentional planned like those types of things and to plan early and often versus like super last minute like this was and I think even especially during those times too to remember to block some of those free nights just to be like you know you're going to be crazy and you've been there where you're like, sure, I'm totally free on the 8th or whatever day. Right. And you accidentally like overbook yourself and you're like, now I feel overwhelmed because I have to spend time with this person or do this thing that I signed up for or like I I opted in for this. I got to follow through. Right. Where it's like block that time. And so on the nights that you have that blocked time be like now is the perfect opportunity for a manny or quiet reading time right whatever it may be something that's gonna like get me back to zero versus strong 10 so that was good it felt good it was necessary it was something i could do and so i will be doing more of that can't wait to hear other uh things that you toss in there can't wait to tell you (laughs) what is your update this week I have started tracking my meal prep and recipe ideas. Ooh. Because before it was kind of a haphazard, like, post-it note, notepad, written, also digital versions of things where, like, I would think of something and just put it wherever there was space a, a space to document it. Sure. And I felt like I wanted to have a little bit more context around some of the stuff that 
we were eating on a consistently base, consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've committed it to a folder in my notes app on my phone. Oh, a under, folder. Under meal planning so that it kind of serves as like a little bit of um, journaling as it relates to food, like menu yes. development of yep. like what are the things on a seasonal basis that we're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also help me to maybe pull out like, oh, I've been making this same lasagna a lot. I should write that recipe down mm-hmm. because I've now gotten to the point where, like, I have a system for some things. And especially when it comes to meal prep, if I have, like, a, a space where I can have a resource doc of all the things that I make and also encouraging myself to actually write the recipes that I've created. or that like so much sense. Combined from other inspirations. All those things. I like this for, so two things. I like this because it's your own form of journaling, which I fully respect. And I think that that's great because what we've talked about is like, you have to find a way that works for you. And I love that this is um, like an an energy that you want to have and a stress reliever to some degree, but also is very useful for being able to pull things back out. And second, I didn't know you could put things in folders on your notes app. Oh my gosh, I'll walk you through it. Because I have like a haphazard, very long list. And you're just list, scrolling and to I'm see like scrolling. when did I <laughs> So I do all of every week I do my workouts and like I record them in my notes app. So I just have like like probably a year's worth of of workout notes. And they just live there. So I did not know you could put them in a folder. I feel so silly, but that is so good to know. I will find a link to the how-to of that, like the easy walkthrough, and link to it in show notes and also show you how to do it because it's super easy. I need someone else to tell me that they didn't know that you could do that just to make me feel just a teens better. Yeah, I didn't realize it really until I was using the computer version of the notes app because you can it's like slightly different view view of it yeah so that helped and I was like oh this is helpful that is so good to know I'm excited for you because again I think this is a a great use of your time and again like stress reliever plus effectiveness at a 10 yeah it's great good awesome what's inspiring this week Braun? I am giving a shout out to an Instagram account that I have discovered recently, thanks to Girls Night In Club. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a double shout double out. Double shout out. <laughs> um, they recently posted um, a drawing sketch, word sketch I from th- yeah, <laughs> word sketch works. <laughs> Draw- drawing <laughs> from Hey Amber Ray. Yes, H E Y A M B E R R A E. The Ray Ray is a pretty common name these days, so. <laughs> I suppose that was unnecessary. (laughs) It'll be in our show notes, You'll find it. Uh, Carrying on. Um, So I really liked the one on how to set boundaries. And I was like, you know what? Because I like save things in my collections tab that I enjoy because of Queen speaking. And just for like, sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, I just want to look back on this sometimes. Yeah, all the time. It's 90% of it is recipes, but there are occasional motivational things. Mm -hmm. Um, So one day I was going through it, um, that collections tab on my Instagram and saw this and I was like, I should go like click through her Instagram feed. And it is chock full of reminders to think about balance, Mm -hmm. to like, 
just have a better sense of like how to like work through a process in your brain so that you don't like get anxious about something or like think about things that aren't healthy or normal or just like a workflow of making good choices that are fulfilling for you and I feel like following the event that we hosted Mm. um, locally um, our paired event on balance it came up a lot in different ways for some of the ladies that attended and it was really nice to have a visual reminder Mm -hmm. of what that looks like so um, I think it's good for us to check in about all of our feels and so I think from like a if you're thinking about the Instagram scroll or, you know, going through Instagram stories, this is a nice uh, account to have in your feed because it's a uh, positive affirmations for sure. Absolutely. Can I tell you something you didn't know about me? What? I have known about Amber Ray since I lived in my very first apartment where we met years and years ago. What? And she used to do, it wasn't like a leadership retreat, but it kind of was, but it was more for creative entrepreneurs. And I, at one point, thought I was going to want to be a creative entrepreneur. I'm not totally gifted in that way in any way. But I emailed with her about when like the next opening for the retreat would be and how I could apply. And she responded and she was so lovely via email. I'm sure she's still lovely today. So I've been following her for years at this point. Forever. Forever. And she has a book out that is, I think, very popular. I think it became a bestseller with a lot of things like what you're talking about, like that still that she has that she created. She's done a lot of that in her book, and she travels the world doing talks around these things. She's done this huge art installation really around, like, all of this kind of work that she shares on her Instagram. And she talks a lot about her relationship with her fiancé and how that has helped her get to the place that she's at. It's amazing. And setting these boundaries. And so when I saw you put this down, I was like, oh, my God, she she really, truly is a fantastic person and very inspirational but also like approachable in the way that what she shares like you feel like you can do it too yeah and the step by step is so so great and sometimes it's just like a remind yourself not to overanalyze this it's this or it's this Mm -hmm. not like healthy and unhealthy and you're like yes okay yes (laughs) it is she's really really good she used to do she did the 100 day project Mm. with el luna a long time ago who's another instagram person um well she's a person in the world but also on instagram um but i think this is great i loved that that sketch word thing what do we what word sketch i liked that a lot (laughs) But I, I thought that one in particular was very timely, but also th- the fact that it was, like, approachable, broken down, all of those pieces made it something I felt like we could continue to go back to and reference over and over again. I agree. I like it. What's inspiring you? I cannot get enough of Jonathan Van Ness, and I'm pretty sure I'll talk about him every week until I run out of things to think about when it comes to him. He comes up on the daily. All the time. And so he obviously is very up on the Insta everything, but I am so hoping he writes a book. I just need to know. So he, It's in progress. There has It has to be. It has to be. So... I've talked about his ice skating before, like the ice skating journey of how he went from like doing none of it to doing all of it and and like working at it. But he just recently released like or put up a video of him doing gymnastics and doing like 
half flips, back flips, like everything. And not just like into a pile of like foam Like blocks, onto the ground. But onto the ground. Like a padded surface, but still. And supervised, but still. I want to know, like my inspiration is wanting to know how he like mentally motivates himself or what he does to continue to want to try new things and know that they are going to be like a long road to success or what success continues to change right. to. And just the fact maybe that maybe he like, follows the whoop method. Maybe he does follow the whoop method. I I need to know because between like skating, ice skating, gymnastics, he does he's doing a comedy tour right now. Like it's like curiosity with structure. Yes. And I think his his podcast is called curiosity you nailed it I'm on it but it, it like it truly is it's the the book i'm really just like waiting with bated breath yeah. to see come out because there's I, a 98 chance that that's currently in the, in the works you're so right and then another two percent chance that it's like being reviewed by the editor right now on as, its way to <laughs> i'm waiting for it. the printer i just like i just <laughs> think i want to read like i want to read about him and his journey of life but i also just want to know how he continues to push himself in new and different ways and I, it just is very interesting to me. That's how people live forever. Right, right. Because they continue to challenge themselves. Growth, growth mindset. Like it really, it's just super, super cool. So that, like, I think the video alone of him doing backflips, I watched it 16 times in a row and then I showed everyone around me. <laughs> so that probably is the inspiration, but just his overall person and forthcoming book, hopefully are the like expanded version we'll let him know yes um i feel inspired just by hearing about it so he's just the best he's the bee's knees all right give it to me straight what are we talking about today as you know i've been in a coaching class for school this semester and i am so excited to hear about it because it's my favorite thing that you're doing (laughs) (laughs) overall of all the things And so the coaching class has been really, really wonderful. And in class, we're talking about a lot of different techniques and tactics around coaching. And so today we're going to talk about some of those techniques, like where to begin, how to build, and then how to reflect, but also just kind of like some of the nuances around coaching in the workplace specifically, because what we talk about is a lot of coaching in the workplace, but we also talk about it in the sense of like coaching overall and the differences between that and other things. But what we're excited to get into is really how you utilize it either. And we call, we say coachy, which is like a mentee, but it's a coachy. And so I like to stay away from that language, but it is the what we use in class. So if I like dip into that word, then that's what that is. It's uncomfortable, we'll have to, right? We'll it's have to find a new word for that. And also to preface, this is professional coaching, yes, not sports coaching. Yes, we should make that very clear, especially coming off of the JVN everything. Yes. But yes, this is professional coaching. Like think of leadership coaching. Think of like... You know, if you hire a, a coach, a career coach of some kind, mm-hmm. like it lives professional in, development, exactly. that kind of thing. It lives in that realm. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Let's speak it, Queens. Let's do it. I want to start with kind of so. I should also say that because this is a class that I'm taking and that I've been focusing on for the last like almost 15 weeks now, I'll probably be talking a lot, but. 
That's okay. But I want to <laughs> learn from you. This is really, and it's super fun. <laughs> and I know you'll have really exciting things to add as well. So if you hear a lot of my voice, that's why. There are three pieces that I think of coaching now that I've been doing it. And now, again, I'm not an expert and I'm still a student, but I think there's so many things that I've learned that are very applicable to like our work environment, maybe your work environment, all of those types of things. Or just things to bring up. Like if you're in this mode of like adding new processes or like conversations that you might want to bring up to your manager of like, hey, I heard about this cool thing on this awesome podcast I listened to and wanted to have a conversation about it. Spread the word. (laughs) We are ready. Um, The three main pieces, three like wow the three pieces of coaching that I feel are kind of they're connected but also like they build on each other is the connecting the methods and the reflection so each of these can happen in different ways depending on who you're coaching and and what I mean by methods is kind of like the techniques and things like that um and I also I think I said like I want to be very clear this is just a very small piece of what we've learned we've done so much around like peer coaching, listening to professional coaches talk about their work. We've talked about a ton of techniques and how to work them in. Um, But these are the ones that I feel like are, again, very applicable maybe to the work environment at this point. Yeah. And I'll be coming in to this conversation as uh, an excited learner. (laughs) Um, And also from the perspective of having worked with a coach Mm -hmm. and what that looks like, at, at least in the term terms by which I've had that relationship function. That'll be exciting to hear about. And then just like because of that relationship, ways that I might have incorporated it with my team in the past. I think that's great because you're right. It's one thing, and we talk about this a lot, like it's one thing to learn things in the classroom and then a totally different to see them in action. Executed. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. The first piece that I mentioned is connecting. And so the pieces of that that I want to get into a little bit more are contracting, building rapport, and boundaries. We love our boundaries. We do love boundaries. Contracting, this is like the one that helps develop a baseline for who you're working with. I think it's easy to think you've already done this with someone that you might know very well, but the elements, which are formality, balance, clarity, and trust can be reestablished when you have like a specific thing that you're coaching someone through. So if you think of it in terms of like you're talking to your boss and you have a specific thing you want to be working on, that those four pieces, again, formality, balance, clarity, and trust, I think should be reestablished to a certain degree because you might shift in and out of that coaching relationship and to reestablish those four things allows you to say like, okay, we're in coaching mode right now and we're going to work on this specific task that you want to get better at. Um, And like you work with your boss every single day, but if I'm struggling with a specific thing, I like the, again, like that formality and especially the clarity piece of it. I think we talk about a ton of things throughout our day, but to be very clear about what we're working on in that moment, I think sets the stage for how we move forward on whatever that thing is. Yeah. And I feel like this kind of comes into the, into action in reality when you're talking, when your manager may be asking you like, what kind of professional development things do you want to work on? And it's like, okay, we're not living in the, here are your day-to-day tasks realm. Right. You're in this like, vague, I want to be this future awesome professional world. Right. And it takes a slightly different shape in those conversations, I think. And I I, I agree it's important to 
separate the two in terms of like how you approach those conversations definitely because like telling someone how to do like write this creative brief you're like sure you're like i'm ready for that i can do that sure (laughs) but then to be like how do i be a better listener right and like i'm sure you've experienced that as a manager in like the relationships you have with the people that have worked for you in the past, like switching gears like that, I'm sure you can speak to that better than I can because I feel like I've definitely been more on the coachy versus the coach mm-hmm. position. From an intern perspective, I think a lot of it comes to play with like the like how do we get you prepared to like apply to jobs for the first time ever as a graduating college student, right? So that takes on a different shape of like write these social media posts for me right do some research on this thing so and it does require like that trust too of again like you do the day-to-day every single day but then to be honest with the person that you're working with about what your expectations for them mm-hmm. are when it comes to like what they're doing in their next step and how you help prepare them for the next step and then for the coachy to say like i trust you enough to share these things with you that's what that's what that contracting really comes down to yeah and i think it comes with a slightly different perspective of like you're going to have homework falling following this that like exist outside your realm of work right. and or like come prepared with these things or read these articles in anticipation of this meeting mm-hmm. and so it's like kind of a slightly different expectation than like a normal one-on-one absolutely absolutely the next one is building rapport so i should also say that my favorite piece of all of this is the connecting piece because mm-hmm. i strongly believe in like setting the stage in an appropriate way that helps everybody understand where they're starting from, what they're looking to get out of something, how they interact with each other. Like all of those things I think are the foundationary pieces that help you take the step to actually have a a successful coaching session. So building rapport, I think really lives in that world because it has the foundation of active listening, which we've talked about so much before. But if you're a coach that you don't, you're not listening to what someone needs, then how are you supposed to, or you have your own idea of what you think they need without actually hearing them (laughs) talk about it, um, then you're not starting off on that, like that strong foot of trust in, in listening. This tool has another set of elements to consider as well, and those are centered around focus, empathy, congruence, which I was like, what's congruence? And it's like (laughs) that ability to mesh with the person Mm -hmm. and empowerment. And I find these so important because it shows the person that like you're focused on their successes. And especially with the congruence piece, you are understanding that like maybe you're not always the right coach for someone too. Like your boss might not be the coach in this situation because you might not like mesh in personality that you need to again build that foundation of trust to move forward with whatever your goals are or whatever you're actually working on yeah I think um the no judgment zone approach really helps to solidify this experience and you really can get into what motivates people allowing them to share their perspectives and really open up because asking pointed questions can help encourage that and also like get you to the root of maybe some of the things that you'll end up working on during Mm -hmm. this process and I'll say from my perspective the reason I sought an outside coach versus like you know handling working with my manager on these things or whatever um is more so knowing that there were like things that I was 
experiencing in the day-to-day work stuff and saying like here are the challenges I realize are happening but kind of like taking a further step back to say I want to work on all of these things and this like big picture plan Mm -hmm. Um, and so to work with someone outside of the scope of my you know professional world was actually really helpful because some of the things for me edged on like slight professional and some personal right. development too but not therapy wise right right and we'll get into that too super exciting mm-hmm. the next one is boundaries and this one can cover everything from personal boundaries to structural boundaries which again was something i found really interesting that we don't always think about as much mm-hmm. um, around the structural boundary so the personal boundaries needs to be set so you don't move into that like therapy realm like you just said because um, when someone opens up, it could get weird real fast. It really well, can. Not weird, but like emotional. Too emotional for the situation. And if someone's not equipped to to like to handle that or to know what the appropriate next step can be, it can get dicey quickly. Because again, as the person that's sharing, if you're sharing and the person responds in a way that like makes you feel uncomfortable, you have to start back at ground zero for that like Mm -hmm. connecting piece. True. Um, Like that building rapport, that earning of the trust. And and that takes some time to build. Um, If you're in like a boss and like subordinate, which I hate that word, but I guess direct report situation, Um, you might have like elements of closeness, which is totally understandable and and important to, to the relationship. But when you're focused on coaching through like a specific thing, I think it's important to respect that personal boundary and not necessarily always bring in that closeness factor into that specific, like triangle of like piece of that pie of the relationship. And I think it also deserves to be said that when we're talking about like the empathy piece and things like that, it's not to say that you should be like shut off of emotion of some kind. Like Mm -hmm. you can still active, actively listen, have a sense of empathy, understand that a person might be going through a hard thing without deep diving into what that hard thing is. You can offer support without giving advice essentially. 100% agree. And it's all, it does require the coach to be in that space to say like I understand where you're coming from let's snake it back to where we were before before and I we had an opportunity part of our assignment for this class was to observe a coach in action and that was a great opportunity because I saw this happen where someone was feeling like they wanted to share something that was affecting the reason that they were even there in the first place and the coach navigated it so well because they acknowledged it for a thing that was difficult and and the the person was struggling with but they didn't offer like any kind of advice that would help them like maybe work through that thing specifically they offered their coaching services and advice for the thing that was kind of like a byproduct of the other Mm -hmm. thing and said if you're if you're struggling with something like we have these services available or something yeah it's like if this is another layer of issues or problem that you need to address or situation here's where to go for that. Exactly. But I think always framing it in the, the space in which you're coaching is really helpful. Absolutely. The other one that I mentioned, structural boundaries, I think have a lot to do with like time and space. 
So if you only have half an hour or something or an hour, that needs to be respected on both like the coach's side and the person receiving the coaching's side. Um, If for whatever reason you need more time or something like that, like it's a good opportunity to like speak up and and kind of say like, hey, we're kind of running out of time. Is there anything else you want to go over or can we make sure that we talk about this next time? And I do believe in like a buffer period if like you are back to back or something like that. Oh my gosh. Everyone should always buffer like minimum 15 minutes. Right. And it's hard. Like it's, I I feel like it's difficult sometimes when you're close to the person that you might have a coaching relationship with. It's very easy to go over time in a professional situation it might be a bit easier but again even if you're close to the person making sure that boundary is set to say like especially if you're busy you're working all of these things like making sure like maybe you're one-on-one for whatever you're working on that week when it comes to that coaching relationship is saying I have this hour if you want to check back with me I have more time later this week but like this is what I have or like respond reply to me via email right um i think the other thing that really helps with this is setting an agenda Mm, at the beginning of like here's what not like let's walk through blah 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 but like here are the three things that we discussed following our last meeting that we're going to cover today just Mm -hmm. so it like sets the stage for the conversation and then always leaving at the end maybe five minutes to say all right we're coming up on time but having that five minute buffer of let's talk through the homework that you need to do or you know here's some things to to work on here's some things that you might take away from this or here's some stuff to to think about absolutely so it's like stuff to leave you with so it's like a natural wrap-up of the conversation and i think that's so important because you're not you're not abruptly ending the thing and that was the thing that i was able to observe is the the coach that i was observing did an excellent job of understanding when the time was coming up and like helping the person move on to what the major takeaways were and what the next steps would be without ever feeling like that person was being rushed out the door and they were working with a back-to-back schedule Mm -hmm. and so it was really impressive to see that at work to see someone respect that time frame for both themselves and the person in front of them without making the other person feel like it was their fault Mm -hmm. or that they had done something that made the time like just fly by and it was time for them to leave it was really impressive to watch that that all happen and I think that's one of those things you want to keep in mind love it for sure next methods So now we've set the stage, we understand who we're talking to, we have an agenda, we feel like we can trust this person to a certain degree. Now we're kind of moving into, okay, how do we actually do the coaching piece of this? And these were the three that I feel like I really enjoyed talking about because I also feel like they can be challenging depending on the person that you're coaching or working with or whatever it is. And they are challenging beliefs opportunity identification, and consequences. It sounds aggressive and scary, but they're all really awesome and positive. Yes, that's what I really like about them. (laughs) The challenging beliefs one was like, oh gosh, how do you even do that? How do you even do that? 
And it's like appropriately playing devil's advocate. Yes, which is my favorite thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes to move forward on something we're working on, we really need to confront some of our personal beliefs to help us get there. And if you're in the coach position, learning how to do this well means creating space to listen and then lightly challenge how you could, how you feel could like help the person being coached and then follow up to see how that may have felt. And Mm -hmm. so that, again, that listening piece is such a huge part of this because you don't want to like override that person's beliefs or make them feel like you didn't even understand or hear what they had to say, but challenging in the way that's like not combative, but also like presenting different avenues and ways of thinking like, Hey, have you thought about, um, I'm trying to think of a, like, so one of an example of one might be like an authoritative figure you're thinking like, oh, I can't go up against them at all because of this, this, and this reason. Like they're so scary or they never listen or any of these things. And like, so that's a belief system that I would have as the coachee. I would think as the coach, challenging that belief system is asking questions about your relationship to that person, asking questions about if you've had an opportunity to do that in the past and maybe it didn't go well and getting an understanding for why they feel that way. What prompted those beliefs in the first place. Exactly. And then, then starting to think about, okay, well, have you thought about maybe doing something like this to um, ask for time one-on-one to better understand why they're, they're pushing on you so hard or something like that. But again, to fully or at least as much as you're able to understand where that person's coming from and then just lightly push back on yeah. that. I've I've seen it at work and it really is it's so much a part of like the way your voice is and your your overall nature along with the actual words that you're saying. Yeah, it's not like an aggressive challenge. Right. It's more of like you have choices here and also providing perspective because sometimes when you're in this you play, you act as a coachy. You accidentally place yourself in a box, and the coach's job is to find like an like let's open this. Like you're not in a box. Right. You're actually just in open air. A wide. You just need to turn around, and the whole back of the box the doesn't whole back exist. Open. <laughs> you're good. And it's so true. And I think this comes to like per- personal beliefs about yourself too. Like I'm so lazy or I like suck at this one thing. I'm never going to get better at it. And again, asking questions that might help you better understand why that person feels that way about themselves and challenge them on trying to find a different way or, and I think sometimes challenging beliefs can also be asking those questions to get to know them better. So they're responding in a way that helps them hear how they feel about themselves and even that can serve as a way of challenging that belief is having them say out loud why they're feeling that way yeah that is really helpful yes opportunity identification if the situation is feeling like continuously negative which i feel like we've all been in that situation where it's like you've got an answer for everything every answer is negative every answer is like a brick wall Presenting problems as opportunities could help bring down some of those blockages for the person that's experiencing them. And so we might be working with someone who like out of fear or because they don't really realize it has that like that answer for every single thing. And so by presenting things as opportunities, we're giving them, like you said, that way out. And sometimes it just takes someone else presenting them and not doing the work for them, but presenting something different. 
a different way of thinking. Like, have you thought about blah? Right. Um, I recently read this cool article on differential reinforcement, which Mm. is basically rewarding positive behaviors in discussions like this. So you're encouraging the person when they make good progress and then not giving time or energy or space to those negative thoughts um, or comments or whatever um, because it gently helps them reframe because you'll respond they they feel positively when you respond to them right and so they'll learn over time (laughs) how to engage and like leave behind some of those bad behaviors and this is obviously a very simplified way to like discuss this so i'll link to it in show notes but Mm -hmm. um it's helpful in this sense because it's not outright calling calling out those negative behaviors or negative actions or point of view that people might have so um i think that's kind of helpful in the sense of like like it's gonna be okay (laughs) and here are all the reasons why (laughs) and that goes to like the coaching relationship itself like if you're working with someone who who continuously can't find a way out of that that goes all the way back to the contracting and like Mm -hmm. what did you agree to do and and where might it not be working and sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves that maybe we're not in the right maybe we're not in the right with the right coach or maybe the coach is not equipped to like handle what we need at that point maybe it is something different that that person is looking for Mm -hmm. but like those are kind of signals to say like how how willing is this person to make adjustments see opportunities instead of problems with that necessary guidance yes and go back to that like first stage uh the last one for the methods that we're sharing today is consequences and I like this one a lot because it forces us to answer different questions and see different perspectives because they're like kind of opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're asking them to consider all sides of a thing and like whatever the thing is that we're focused on for that coaching session. So the questions are, what will happen? What will happen if I do it? What will happen if I don't do it? What will not happen? What will not happen if I do it? What will what will not happen if I don't do it? So in class, what? we're all like, what? <laughs> we were all like, that is that. Those are all the same question, I think. Like, what is that? I heard happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's about it. So what will what will happen if you do start to consider and it took us all kind of a minute to be like, what is that? Like, why would that ever be a thing that you would do? But what it allows us to do is see things as some of those feel positive and some of those feel negative, which forces us to make different answers, Mm -hmm. even if they're asking the same thing. So they I like it. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. So and it and it kind of so they're framed in different ways. So they make us focus on different parts of ourselves, emotional and practical, positive and negative, and just different ways that we can come up with different outcomes. And my my the most interesting thing was that like emotional reaction and the practical reaction. And I think when things feel negative, we go to the practical reaction sometimes. Or actually it could go to the emotional as well. But I thought that that was what was really cool about this is if you take it slow and you don't like throw them all at them at once, but literally go like, so they were set up in a grid. So if you go box by box and ask those questions about whatever it is that you are challenging in that moment or going through in that moment, it was really interesting to see people's answers change 
asking the same exact question, but just worded totally different. Cool. It was super cool. And I think it's one of those things where you're like, wow, like that could really have an effect because you can see, are are you reacting to things more emotionally? Or are you reacting to things more practically? Or am I more of a negative person when things feel negative? Or like just dissecting more about the way we come at problems as well. And it was just very, very interesting. I liked it a lot. The last piece of this is reflection. So as we know, we love a good reflection. We like going back. We like asking ourselves what we did well and what we need to work on and all those things. And that is just as true for a coaching relationship from the coach with the coachee and reflecting on that and like evaluating, but also the coach on their own or with another coach and having Hmm. them kind of go through like, how did this go? And ask all of these good questions about like, how do we continue to evaluate ourselves so we know if we're actually bringing service to the relationship. And I think, again, even if this is like a boss and direct report situation, the boss can still do this either on their own or with their supervisor and say like, hey, I'm going through this coaching process. This is where we're at. This is where I feel like we should be going. And and really getting that like outside perspective is still, and I put that in quotes because it's it's still valid, even mm-hmm. if it's not like that professional coach like you that you worked with. Um, so within this reflection piece, um, we're going to talk about evaluating and then the difference between therapy, mentoring, and coaching. Blah. Um, going back over your work and giving yourself a self, giving yourself a self-evaluation, like an, a truly honest one, it just helps you as a coach. I think if we want to get better at anything, we do need to go back over Feedback's our Feedback's important. It sure is. Even if it's personal feedback. Exactly. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we know when we know what we need to work on. Um, and so they talk about considering five levels of listening and see like what you put into action most often and how they may have impacted your coaching. And so they are listening to argue, listening to respond, listening to understand, listening to help the coachee understand, or listening without intent. Listening to argue. Yeah, every time. (laughs) That sounds like a bad place to be. It is. And it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, wow, like I do that a lot. And I think a lot of times we probably land in the listening to respond. Yes. Like, because we're not aggressive, but we're also like very set on our answer already. I want to live in the listening without intent world. Yes. I like that space. But I think we want to be prepared with an answer. And so we and we don't want to look silly so we're like always ready with something Mm -hmm. but i agree if we're listening without intent then our answers will be so much more honest and unfiltered in a in a nice way and in a positive way but we'll truly be able to hear the person Mm -hmm. in front of us and not just be jumping into whatever we think is the right thing to say yeah And then there are four kinds of evaluation, reactions, learning, behavior, and results. And again, I think that those are pretty self-explanatory, but we we react probably too quickly a lot of times. Um, But if we are looking at those four different things, then we're evaluating different parts of our coaching. And I think that is on top of the evaluation process itself to break them down into those four categories helps us if we're struggling with one area or another, it helps us even better identify what that area might be. Cool. And then, and finally, the difference between therapy, mentoring, and coaching. And we talk about a lot. We talk about this a lot in class because it's really easy, 
I think, to de- define the difference between therapy and coaching. It's not as easy to define the difference between mentoring and coaching, mm-hmm. I think. And again, like we talked about in the very beginning, they might weave in and out of each other pretty frequently. And your therapist might also be coaching you on a certain thing. So like <laughs> they can all live in the same person, but they all do accomplish different things. Um, so coaching is like uniquely positioned to help someone find success with a specific area of their life without transitioning into the therapy world, especially because like we're talking about this from the work perspective, it would be a lot (laughs) to ask a boss to be equipped to also do therapy. That's kind of, I think that's a no, that's a, that's probably not okay. (laughs) (laughs) I would think I'm just guessing. That's a hard pass. Yeah. Um, I think for me, when it came to and comes to my coaching experience, because it is ever existing. Yes. Uh, is being in the space where the individual, the coach, is helping to point out things that are seemingly obvious mm-hmm. and or seems like they should be. Right. <laughs> but I needed gentle nudges or reframing to help get there or to better understand um, the situation or to see something from uh, from a new angle. And I think it's just wonderfully thoughtful and a- really allows you as the person, as the coachee, to own that progress as an individual. And again, like thinking back to like coach in the sports terminology is like yeah. they're a guide. Right. And I think in this sense, like that's their – they're just trying to like get it out of you and help you kind of like – shed some of the layers right which i think is really helpful absolutely and that's why you know part of the reason i guess they changed for career coaches they changed it from career counseling to career coaching Mm -hmm. is because like those live in two very different categories and to start to overlap them gets confusing for what the skill that's needed to perform the task is and the the person i observed did touch on the sports coaching mentality and how that very much applies in the world, the work that they're doing and the work that a coach would do mm-hmm. um, when it comes from the work perspective as well. Mentoring is different from coaching in the sense that mentoring is where like someone is relying on the experience of someone else in a specific specific area to help guide them through certain tasks. So again, like mentors can, can use coaching techniques and vice versa. Um, but I think traditionally, and I struggle with the mentorship thing because I think it's such a loaded term. Mm-hmm. But I think that traditionally in mentoring, we are looking with to someone not necessarily older than us, but with to someone with more experience than us. Yes. And so they don't have to be older or younger. It doesn't have to be like that. But we are looking to them because they've either done something that we want to do or they've accomplished a thing that we then want to follow in their footsteps and accomplish as well. And coaching doesn't necessarily need to have that slant for it to live in the coaching world. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like it's important to also separate mentors from coaching. Yeah, I think a combination of mentoring and coaching can be impl- applied yeah. from an intentional perspective in the workplace. And this conversation in particular sheds light on like the how to of that mm-hmm. and also differentiating the two in, in a very specific way because um, they do serve each other well on their own, yeah. but also in unison. Um from the perspective of like how you might be working with your teammates or maybe that relationship that you have as a manager to 
subordinate is the word that we don't like using. No, so it's gross. Team right? team member. Team member. And I was gonna say lesser than, but that's also really bad. <laughs> A so we're still diff- working on our coaching. Different person than you. But a manager and a managee. Yes. Managee. That's good. I like that. Um, but I, I feel like this is a fun conversation in the sense that like I think specific coaching questions are really helpful and just make you a better employee mm-hmm. no matter what level you're at. And I think to have that woven into your terminology, your communication skills is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, or just to have more perspective on like, maybe this is something for me to look into. Absolutely. And there are like, a, there are a couple different like certification programs that exist for coaches. Some some don't take any of them, but just do this work and do it well with different like assessment tools that they Mm -hmm. have like in their back pocket that they know inside and out that they then apply to their coaching practice. Um, But that's the thing about coaching is you don't need a degree and you don't need anything to charge for it, which the UK actually does have like a whole program that you have to go through if you want to like actually be a coach in the world, which I like, I go back and forth on what is appropriate or not. I think if you're doing good work and providing a service that is necessary, and especially because so many of these techniques we do to some degree in our working relationships, and if you want to take it that next step further, I believe in continued education. Get after um, it. So there's a lot of options out there. And we'll share one is called IFC. So if you've been looking in to coaching as a career or a potential career, it's the International Coaching Federation for ICF, International Coaching Federation, which we'll share. That's like the gold standard from what I understand if this is like a thing you want to do next. So cool. We'll get into that in the show notes. Shall we break? Let's break. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening this week. You can follow us on Instagram at queen underscore speaking to continue the conversation. And you can find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week. week.